Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 21 through 37. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or a sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We're going to hear a word today a lot. That word is the word radical. Would you be willing to follow a radical leader? Because what we're going to see in today's teaching is that Jesus teaches us how to do something radically. Last week we heard Jesus call on our lives to be a people of mission, salt and light and hope. And then he told us about his own mission, that he came not to abolish, but to fulfill God's law of love. And today, what we find in these few words from the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus is radicalizing the way that we are called to be and act and love in this world. 
So if you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to open them with me to Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. We read this. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you're angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. We've always been told, Jesus says, don't murder someone. And we can agree on that. That is not a radical statement. But Jesus does radicalize it. You've heard it said, don't murder. But I say unto you, don't even be angry with someone else. Where does murder begin? Murder begins in the heart. Out of hate, born from anger. See, Jesus is calling us in this moment not just to avoid the big, hairy effect. Murder but to avoid the very cause, anger. This is perhaps the most radical thing for our life and our moment right now that Jesus says, don't get angry with one another. Don't insult one another. Don't call one another foolish church. That is radical. In this day, in this moment of time, with all of the strife and all of the division, when someone disagrees with us, we want to get angry. We have a tendency to insult and call them foolish. And apparently that's nothing new. People were doing it in Jesus' time, and therefore Jesus commands them to stop. And he actually goes on to tell us that if we have enmity with someone else, that we shouldn't even engage in acts of worship. That if we come to an act of worship and realize that there is a a problem, a disunity between ourselves and someone else, that we need to leave worship and go and be reconciled to that person, then come back. So maybe the holiest thing for some of us to do in this very moment is to press pause on this worship service. Pick up the telephone. And seek reconciliation. Jesus concludes this passage by saying, if we fail to take the work of reconciliation seriously, there will be repercussions. This, my brothers and sisters, this must feel radical to us as followers of Jesus today. Jesus tells us not only to, not only to avoid murder, that bar is too low. Jesus says, seek out reconciliation. For us to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ, it means that we must submit our very desires to him. And there are some times that our hearts can feed on discourse. We discord. We see it almost every time we turn on the news or open our laptops or turn on our tablets. It feels that more and more and more We're being trained to be one another's enemies. Always more deeply entrenched. But Jesus Christ calls us to something else. He calls us to reconciliation. 
Are you harboring hatred? Or anger? Confess it to Christ. Pick up the phone. Be reconciled. Jesus commands it. Next, Jesus says this. In verse 27, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Let's hang on there for just a second. Anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. We see it once more. Jesus isn't telling us just to avoid the sin. He's telling us to avoid the place where the sin begins. Don't just avoid the effect, adultery. Avoid the cause, lust. God gave the gift of sexuality to this world, and it is beautiful when it is used in the intended context given by God. That of long-term, committed, monogamous marriage. But one of the things that Jesus knew was that this gift could be easily misappropriated. Jesus knew that one of the chief problems with lust is that lust causes us to dehumanize one another. To reduce someone from the fullness of who they are to simply their physical appearance. Lust makes a beautiful and beloved child of God into an object. And so we see it again. Jesus says, don't simply avoid the action, but the thought that would give rise to it. And then Jesus says something truly radical. Look in verse 29. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it away. See, Jesus is not actually advocating for self-mutilation. He's employing this process that was often used by Jewish rabbis. It's called prophetic hyperbole. And it really means just to state an exaggeration in order to make a point. The sin is not simply the action, it's the thought. And Jesus is telling us that we must take steps, even perhaps drastic ones, to help ensure the purity of our hearts. Jesus is saying that the condition of our hearts matter. And if our hearts are not right, in time they can, perhaps inevitably inevitably they will, ruin our lives. We've seen it. We've seen people's lives ruined when their desires got out of control. Jesus Christ is calling us not simply to avoid the actions, but to nip it in the bud, to go to the place where these actions find their fertile ground and growth. And then Jesus goes on. And he says in verse 31, It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, Let him give her a certificate of divorce. 
Did you know that in the Torah, the law of the Old Testament, there was no prohibition against divorce? In fact, what is said about divorce is how it can be done. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, we are told that if a man wishes to divorce a woman, he should give her a certificate of divorce. And the, the woman had no recourse. In fact, if you go back and read Genesis, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1, you'll find that what the Bible says is if, if a man has any problem with his wife, if he is somehow displeased with his wife, he can issue her a statement of divorce. The woman had no recourse. And there was an absolute injustice to it because in the ancient Near East, one of the ways, the primary way that, that women were safe and secure is through the connection to their husband. And when a husband issued a certificate of divorce, he was stealing his wife's security. Now, we we'll often look at this text through a modern lens, and I, I do think Jesus calls us to take our marriage vows seriously, but what Jesus is doing in the context of this teaching is actually radical in his time. Jesus was saying at a time when women were often looked at as little more than property, Jesus said they should be looked at with humanity. They should be treated fairly. Don't break relationship, Jesus says, deepen it. If we look at these first three teachings together, we see that there is a unifying element, a radical commitment to relationship. Not only should we not murder those we're angry with, but we should seek reconciliation with them. We shouldn't seek to objectify another in lust, but instead to see them with the fullness of who they truly are. We should not break relationships but strive to maintain and heal and deepen them. In this season, when a fracture and division are so present in our world, Jesus is calling us to draw close to one another. And we conclude the reading with Jesus discussing oaths. Jesus said, do not swear by heaven for it is God's throne, nor by earth for it is God's footstool. Don't swear by Jerusalem or even by your own head because you can't control even the colors of the hairs on your head. I am a living testament to that truth. Man. What Jesus is telling us in this moment about oaths is that we need to be careful about swearing an oath because there's so much in the future we can't control. And brothers and sisters, if the last few months have taught us anything, they've taught us about the fragility of our own control. There is so much out there we can't control. So, what if we were to focus on those things we can control? Like, as Jesus teaches us, the deepening and the healing of our relationship. There's a lot we can't control in this moment, but there are things we can. My guess is 
that either you or someone close to you, a neighbor close by, is really, really stressed out about what they're going to do in the upcoming school year with their children. I wonder what it would look like as a follower of Christ trying to inhabit a radical love just to walk over to their house and say, listen, I know this is a tough time. I know it's a stressful time for you. And I don't know every way that I can help, but I am here for you. And I am here with you. We can't control everything. But we can seek to deepen our relationships. There have been some amazing acts of heroism recently. I read an article this week about first responders from Life Care Medical Transport. Right here in Stafford, a group of of first responders who just came back from a 60-day deployment up to New York. If you think about it, what's going on in this world right now, one of the last places on the earth that many of us would want to go is to New York because of the prevalence of, of the virus up there. But once more, these first responders, they ran into the fire while everyone else was running away from it. When was the last time we took a moment to say thank you to someone who has served us in this season? We can't fix everything. We can't control everything that's going on, but we can deepen our relationships. There's an app out there called Be My Eyes. The app partners people who are visually impaired with those who can see through video chat so that those who can see can help the visually impaired accomplish day-to-day activities, accomplish their work. We can be someone's eyes. We can't control everything. We can't fix everything, but we can deepen our relationships. We can be someone's eyes. There are really only two options out there right now. And the first option is that we can just wait. We can wait. And waiting can be a holy thing. During the seasons of Advent and Lent in the church, we spend time waiting. In Advent, we're waiting for the birth of Christ. In Lent, we're waiting for the resurrection. And that can be a holy, holy and beautiful time. But when we are waiting in those seasons, there's a defined end when the waiting becomes interminable. When there's no end in sight, what happens when all we do is wait is that we begin to atrophy. Our muscles, our minds, our creativities, our souls, they begin to weaken. I confess there have been some times in recent months where I've given myself over to the belief that all I can do right now is wait. And that is one option. But there is another. We can find ways to act. We can find ways that truly make a difference in the life of a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, even a stranger. My friend Michelle Paquette sent me a podcast last week. A man by the name of Patrick Lencioni, who's been part of the Global Leadership Summit a number of years in the past. The podcast was about planting your tree 
And it came from an old Chinese proverb. So the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is right now. Lencioni suggested that perhaps the most detrimental thing that we can do for ourselves, for one another, for our very own souls, is to convince ourselves that all we can do in this moment is wait. But instead, what would it look like to plant our tree? We can spend our days waiting for the world out there to change, or we can find a way to act, to be salt and light in this very moment. To seek deeper relationship and radical love. That's what Jesus teaches us. Not to act as everyone else does. Not to fight, but to reconcile. Not to objectify, but to see the whole person. Not to break relationship, but to deepen it. Jesus calls us in this moment to be radical. Different. And as we'll see in just a few weeks, the Sermon on the Mount ends with Jesus saying, those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice, their lives will be built upon the rock. So if we felt of late as if our lives have been built on the shifting sands, hear these words of Christ and put them into practice. Act now. Love radically. Loving God, we give you thanks for the teaching, the word of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we confess there have been times we have given ourselves over to division, strife, anger. We confess there have been times we have objectified one another. Times we have broken relationship rather than sought to heal those relationships. Forgive us, O God, and possess us inspire us in this very moment to be agents of radical, radical love. Just as you taught us. In Jesus' holy name, amen.